yes, Baldur's Gate 3 is that good. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so I've been fortunate enough to have gotten the chance to play Baldur's Gate 3 over the course of the last week. And while I've put dozens and dozens and dozens of hours in, I still am probably only about halfway through the game and I am still blown away at just how incredible this game is. So for the sake of this video, we're going to classify this as a work in progress review because I've not seen credits roll because this game is so gigantic that even somebody that does this for a living is having trouble finishing it within a week. It's that massive. But to put my experience simply, I have consistently been blown away. Every time I think they have topped or bested my expectations, they find another way to surprise me with even more impressive tie-ins to previous decisions, impactful emotional moments that make me rethink everything I've done up to that point, and writing and relationships with characters that are almost more lifelike than real life. I know that doesn't make any sense at all, but like seriously, some of these people that you'll be meeting have memories better than like your ex-girlfriend in high school who holds things against you you don't even remember like they will tell you something that happened back in hour five of the game that ties into a decision you have to make now and you're like oh my god what just happened it's amazing like it's so cool now i intentionally have been going through this current playthrough as a chaotic evil character so this playthrough has been totally different from the one that i had back when i played the early access version of this game a little over a year ago for those of you curious or just looking for clarification this is the full blown release of the game. Prior to this, there was an early access version of it available to people who pre-ordered the game on Steam through their early access program. However, those people only got access to the first act of the game, which is still like 25 to 30 hours of content. Though, for those players, it's important to note that much has been changed. Not only have they added things such as dual classes or adding 51 different spells for magic users, but they've also reworked huge chunks of Act 1. In fact, according to my contact over at Larian Studios, there have been such major changes to Act 1 that save files of characters from the early access period will no longer carry forward to the full release version of the game. You're going to have to start over because so much has shifted and changed. Also, just an FYI, if you had the game during early access you're going to need to completely uninstall and then reinstall the full version of the game if you try to just update you will run into massive problems where the game basically just doesn't run i know because i had this problem as well during the review period it's a known issue at this point but just be warned you're going to need to re-download the 120 ish gigs that this game is packing but speaking honestly to those of you who have played the early access version of the game you probably don't need me to tell you that you should play this full version you've seen what the game has to offer and you know just how good larian is at designing and building rpgs like this so in this video i want to target those of you who are on the fence or just don't really know what baldur's gate 3 has to offer those of you who have seen the buzz around this game and are wondering what's up and i'm here to tell you that this is what's up that's most definitely what's up yes yes thank you king cobra yes it is most definitely what's up. Also, shout out to anybody who knows King Cobra. Moving on. All of this to say, if you really liked the early access version of Baldur's Gate 3, as far as I can tell after a week with it, this is one of the most impressive RPG games 
ever made full stop. It is an absolute triumph. And frankly, I'm baffled that this game exists at all. It's that good. It's pretty rare that we get a game that just leaves me speechless and leaves me baffled how they even got it working at all. And this is one such game. If you are a fan of RPGs, I'm not going to beat around the bush. You need to play this. You need to buy it. You need to support it with your dollar. And I'm telling you what, you won't regret it. It is phenomenal. But what exactly is the game that I'm describing as phenomenal? Well, let's get into it. Baldur's Gate 3 features a gameplay loop which will be familiar to many. You will be exploring levels, often with companions, looking for loot, enemies, quest objectives, or often all of the above at the same time, juggling a bunch of quests all at the same time. As you work your way through the main story, you will also often benefit from a narrator who offers important exposition and explains things that would otherwise be difficult to communicate to the player, such as one's innermost thoughts or even something as subtle as the smell of a given environment. If you've played Dungeons & Dragons before, this will also be very familiar because effectively this narrator serves as the DM of your adventure. And that also makes sense because this is set in the same universe and is built on the same core mechanics. More on that later. But you'll recognize all of the DNA of D&D throughout this game almost immediately once you realize that many of the checks that you will be completing will be rolled with actual d20 dice. Much of the same verbiage as the tabletop game will also be used when describing abilities and upgrades. And frankly, a lot of the time you'll just fall into the same timeless void that you fall into when you play a game of tabletop D&D, where you just lose track of all time, your mind gets totally immersed in the world you're exploring, and you just lose track of it. Like, honestly, this is one of the most immersive games I've ever played, and I'm going to get more into why and how, but seriously, this is something really, truly special. And I don't know if it's just that I like D&D and I like tabletop games like that where you role play or if it just in a vacuum is this good, but truly this is very easy to get lost in. It's like I've said before, some games are really easy to play, not in that they aren't difficult or lack challenge, but just in the fact that they are easy to get lost in, easy to play for hours and hours and hours and you just lose yourself. And this is that type of game. It's also important to note, I feel for new players, that this is a standalone story and adventure. The last Baldur's Gate game released all the way back in the year 2000, and before that the original came out in 1998, so it's safe to say that the developers do not expect you to have played the last game before taking on this one. And in fact, the entire story of how this game came into existence is fascinating, but to give you the spark notes, Larian Studios wanted to take on the D&D franchise for a long time before they were actually greenlit. They approached Wizards of the Coast, the owners of the IP, back in the early 20-teens, but they were told that they simply weren't ready for the huge franchise that they were asking for permission to create a game with. So Larian went off, created Divinity Original Sin in 2014, along with the Enhanced Edition in 2015, and then dropped Divinity Original Sin 2 in 2017, with that Definitive Edition coming a year later. And it was shortly after the release of Divinity Original Sin 2, that they got a call from Wizards of the Coast asking if they were still interested in creating another Baldur's Gate game. Of course, they said, gosh darn heck yeah, and they started work on it 
almost immediately. Over the course of a couple of years, they built a really sturdy prototype of the game and decided to launch it on early access to get community feedback. When it launched on early access, it was so incredibly successful that they had over 70,000 concurrent players, and apparently in the first few minutes of the game's launch in early access, Steam went down for major portions of the globe. And over the last few years, they have been working tirelessly to finish the game, refine it, building it into the exact game everybody hoped it would become. And again, they succeeded. This is not just a game that is a triumph because of the developers, but also because of the phenomenal community that has been providing feedback for, at this point, years on what needs to be tweaked and changed to refine the game into its ideal form. And that ideal form is an incredibly expansive role-playing game with more complexity and depth than you've probably seen in any game before in your life. Almost every decision you make, every person you speak with, every NPC you deceive or are honest with, and every single object you can loot or leave behind can come back to bless or haunt you later on. This is one of those games where if you are walking through a village or a city, and then you find a crate or there's a bench there with something sitting on it and you just pick it up to throw it into your inventory. You can be stopped by a guard, patted down to see if you have any contraband. And when they find that stolen object, you will immediately get engaged with combat. And if you choose not to kill everybody there, they will arrest you and throw you into the dungeon. Like it's insane. It's also really refreshing because so many games nowadays are mindless. Like you just go through the motions. They kind of create a rough loop or guide of what you're expected to do. Go here, fight these enemies. Then you move on to this golden objective marker over there. And then you clear that area. Then you move on to the next, you upgrade your character, save there, and then you keep going, do the same thing over and over again. And it just becomes mindless. Like you don't even have to think about what you're doing. You can just go through the motions. But in this game, you have to very carefully consider everything you do, even down to the type of necklace you wear. I put on a necklace while playing this game that happened to have been taken from a location where there was a shrine to a particular god that offended one of my companions and she got really upset seeing me wear that necklace without having consulted her about it first. And this is something I should have known because we had had previous conversations where she expressed this frustration with this cult and this god and blah, blah, blah. But because I started to play it like your standard video game nowadays, I missed the opportunity to preemptively avoid that frustration and confusion, but somehow me missing that almost made the game more impressive to me because it reminded me that these characters are so complex. They have feelings effectively down to being offended by the type of jewelry you're wearing. It's just so incredible to me. And this is why I say this is probably a more complex and impressive RPG than you've ever played before. It really is that impressive. I mean, really, the only thing I can compare it to directly is Divinity Original Sin 2, which is the last major game that this same studio made. It's almost like its own genre of game. It's not really an RPG by modern standards because everybody's trying to make RPGs nowadays, so much so that it's kind of lost all meaning as a term. But these guys are making role-playing games in all caps in such an impressive way that it basically is its own category of game. Like it's almost like FromSoft's Soulsborne franchise. Pretty soon we're probably going to be calling this tier of game Larian style 
RPGs. It's that unique. Now, one of the things that might come as a little startling to new players is their choice to go with a voiceless protagonist. Personally, I actually think this is a good decision. As we learned from Fallout 4, for example, just because you can put a voiced protagonist in a game doesn't mean that you should. Often, players will read a line of dialogue different than how it's delivered by that actor. And that's not to say it's the actor's fault or the writer's fault. It's simply the reality of the situation when you have thousands and thousands of lines of dialogue and millions of players reading that dialogue in their own voices. You are inevitably going to run into situations where players read it in a different way than the actor did. And this can lead to all sorts of difficult and frustrating situations where the player thought that this answer to a question was just straightforward and honest, when in reality, the actor delivered it sarcastically, which creates conflict or even starts a fight. On the other hand, if you have a voiceless protagonist, you can simply write out exactly what is being communicated. The player reads it, understands what is being communicated, presses that, and then the NPCs can respond exactly to what is being described in that text. And thankfully, the secondary and tertiary cast even is phenomenal and prevents this narrative from growing dry. I cannot think of a single character that I encountered so far in my time with the game that left me wanting a different voice actor or a change in the performance. It is all fantastically well done and I can only offer the highest praise to everybody involved here. The narrative is nothing short of captivating and the best way I can describe this is by confessing to you. I am what's known as a podcast gamer. You might have heard of us. We are a select few and we're very ashamed of ourselves. Basically, a podcast gamer is somebody who tends to game with a podcast going on in the background, such as the Free Roam podcast, which I do with the YouTuber Jor Raptor over on my live channel, and we syndicate to all major podcasting platforms. Go check it out. Links below. Did you like that plug for my podcast? Wasn't that good? I thought it was good too. Yeah, go check it out. We have a great time. We do it every single week. So Send me and Joel Raptor some love. But all that to say, I like to listen to podcasts, watch TV shows or movies or YouTube videos, whatever, while I'm gaming. It's just something I like to do to satisfy my ADHD brain. However, with narrative games, that's not a great habit to be in because often you can miss subtleties in the delivery or whatever else. And that can be frustrating for me and my ADHD riddled brain because it wants constant engagement and when there's really slow dialogue or slow moving cutscenes, that can often provide a sort of frustrating experience. But this game, amazingly enough, kind of cures me of that. And I don't know why. I wish I had an answer. But all I can figure out is that it's just so well written. The characters are so well performed and realized that I am just captivated. It doesn't feel like a video game to me. It's like playing a game of D&D, &D, but the characters are in front of me. I can see everything. I'm actually engaging with it. So it's just as real and captivating as if I'm imagining it all myself, but it's before me on a computer screen. It's nothing short of magical. However, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. I did run into a handful of bugs that I did not see listed on the bug sheet that they provided. In case you're not aware, often when a YouTuber or journalist reviews a video game, they will provide, of course, 
a review guide giving you rough information on the project, how long you can expect it to be, blah, blah, blah. So you kind of know what you're getting into. And they also often will provide a bug sheet, which tells you all of the identified bugs that they currently know about and are working on fixes for. And often they'll even say what is coming in the day one patch, just so you don't complain about something that's going to be fixed when everybody gets their hands on it. I did encounter a number of bugs that I did not see anywhere on that bug sheet, including one that happened later in the game in what I would classify as a pretty spoiler heavy section. So out of respect for you, I'm just not gonna show the footage and instead I will pantomime it. Basically I was fighting a big boss type character that's surrounded by a bunch of goons in a very large arena you could imagine with all different levels of height that you can engage with him on. This was a pretty intensive battle, one that I was about 30 minutes into. This battle, the singular encounter had been going on for about 30 minutes of nonstop combat taking turns swapping along. It was pretty intense. And then it went to that boss's turn and he ran over to a ladder to climb up it, but he got stuck in his animation. And so he just kept going like this, not moving up or down at the base of the ladder, not moving, not doing anything. And he just did that perpetually and wouldn't stop <laughs> like at all. I got up, left, got dinner, came back, and he was still doing it. So I was soft locked effectively. There was nothing I could do. I couldn't skip his turn or rewind or anything. I was just stuck. And that meant that I lost all those 30 minutes of progress and fighting that I had done, which was heartbreaking because it was a very tough battle and I was doing pretty well. And to have all of that just ripped away because of a soft lock, frankly sucked. And some people will just say, oh, well, you should have quick saved more often. And while that's easy to say after the fact, in the moment, you're not expecting it to crash or have a soft lock or something. You're just playing and you're focused on the encounter and the battle at hand. You don't think, oh, I should quick save after every single move that I make just in case something happens. And this was one of those times where I didn't because I was captivated by the battle and I ended up really regretting it. Unfortunately, this is to be expected though of a game this massive. Frankly, I'm more impressed there aren't more of these types of bugs in the game. All told, I maybe encountered four or five that I would consider noteworthy that I would like write in an email to the devs about, which I am doing actually. I have it pulled up in my Gmail right now. But other than that, really not much. Like occasionally the camera would get caught on a tree and like that's kind of it. But other than that, it runs pretty well. But that really is the only negative I have to point to. The combat is extremely rewarding, complex, and just as well realized as you would expect it to be, having been built off of the fifth edition rule set of D&D. Like I said, it's pretty cool that if you've played D&D with the fifth edition rule set, you'll be familiar with the rules and how combat works and how different spells work with others. And so it's not going to feel that weird to you. You're just going to kind of already know what's up and that's kind of awesome <laughs> and frankly combat has so many layers of complexity to it that i couldn't even begin to do it justice in this short video so i will save that for a big critique we will do later on speaking of if you want to see a big critique breakdown that's going to probably take a handful of hours to get through make sure to subscribe and like the video so that I know you're interested in seeing a breakdown of this game like that. But all told, the combat is just as good as I was hoping and it only gets better the further into the game you get. 
And when you factor in other things such as dual classing and the fact that you can respec your character now, it is only going to get better the more acclimated to the combat system you get. And listen, to wrap this up, like I said, this game is about 80 to 100 hours to get through, and that's with one character on one run. If you want to play with multiple different characters, do an evil playthrough and then a goody two-shoes playthrough, and then a playthrough where you're just doing what you got to do to survive, and maybe you're stealthing your way through it, easily this game can provide hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of hours of enjoyment and entertainment and adventures that will all be different from each other. Yeah, you'll run into the same people, go to the same locations, but every time you do it, approaching it a different way, you will have a different experience because all of these characters are so complex, they've effectively accounted for every type of behavior. Whether you punch this guy right up front or punch that guy right up front to destroy your relationship with either, they factor that in. So 10 hours later, you feel the consequences of that split second decision. And that is just so important impressive to me it really is baffling that this game exists and to put it simply i really hope that this game is the breakout success that makes these types of games viable and popular in the AAA and quadruple a space you know how the witcher 3 launched back in 2015 i know it's so long ago and everybody after that started making witcher 3 ripoffs and it seemed like every game was trying to be an open world action adventure game in third person. And then we got Elden Ring last year in 2022, which blew everybody away and has sparked a bunch more projects that have been greenlit that we'll probably see in a few years that are trying to do the same thing. Well, I'm hoping that Baldur's Gate 3 is such an out of the park home run success that it sparks a bunch of spiritual successors and spin-off games and other studios taking a whack at this type of game because frankly even if another studio tries to make a game like this and it ends up being like 80% of what this game is that will still be a tremendous achievement that's how good Baldur's Gate 3 is there's no way for me to put it more bluntly than this you should buy Baldur's Gate 3. You should support it. It is a triumph. And there's a reason why so many developers and studios in the AAA space have come out and said not to expect more games like this, not to get your hopes up that other RPGs are up to this standard. And that's because this really is that exceptional of a game. They view this as so tremendous that they can't even get close to it. And that should tell you about how confident these other guys are in their ability to produce RPGs. I love these kinds of games, and the reason why I think we should start to hold other studios' feet to the fire and ask them to live up to this Baldur's Gate 3 standard is because that's the only way we make progress. Baldur's Gate 3 was able to do this. I think it's only fair that we ask for studios of one, two, three thousand people making games similar to this that they do something at least close. But to put it simply, Baldur's Gate 3 has raised the bar in almost every single way possible for an RPG to raise the bar. It is that good, and I cannot recommend it enough. Frankly, if I go down to the comment section and anybody is saying that they're not going to be supporting this studio and buying it, I, I'm going to throw a fit. I mean, of course, there's things like budgetary concerns. Not everybody has 60, 70 bucks to spend on a video game right now because they're adults like living their actual lives. And to that, I say fair. However, if you are in the market, you should definitely check out Baldur's Gate 3. I can't recommend it enough. It is 
absolutely amazing. But with that said, that's going to do it for me. I've been playing this game nonstop for about a week and my wife misses me and I miss my children and my wife as well. So I'm going to go hang out with them and then probably keep playing this a little bit later because I'm a little bit of an addict and I want to finish it to get started on that big critique that I mentioned. Again, if you want to see that, like the video and then I'll know not to trash the idea and to actually follow through on it. So do that. But again, thank you for watching. I love you all dearly. Hugs and kisses. I'll see you in the next video. Bye-bye.